0: I just get really excited creating something and both my parents were entrepreneurs and when I went to the corporate world I always felt like I was undercover for like thought okay I'm going to learn processes and I'm going to learn how systems and organization but I'm going
1: to i will not I'm not going to be here forever I just didn't know what that entrepreneurial thing was from the cubicle to the lab the studio to the war room climbing the corporate ladder or joining a scrappy startup experience a day in the life of the jobs you want this is the experience a day in the life podcast
2: Welcome to part two in the two-part Nurture Your Network series. In part one, we went through hour by hour in a day in Emily's life as the founder of Six Degrees Society. In this episode, we'll take you through Emily's career journey so you know exactly what skills and experience are necessary to start a business of your own. She had entrepreneurship ingrained in her DNA and had a knack for connecting with people, but she needed time to build up her own people collection, as she calls it. Her six-month stint in Argentina and willingness to learn got her jobs in the corporate fashion industry and eventually gave her the skills to start her own networking events business. Let's learn how she did it so you can too.
1: Emily attended Denison University, a small school in Ohio for undergrad. There, she majored in Spanish and communications. The reason she chose Ohio was because she wanted to escape the tri-state area. And
0: I actually really wanted to be a big fish in a little pond. I thought there was something beautiful about getting to know everyone there. And I promise you, I'll probably run into someone from Denison today because it's such a small school. You recognize all of the faces when they cross paths with you, even if you didn't know the person. It open it broadened my mind just to asking questions and also not making assumptions that everyone's exactly the same as you.
2: She chose communications because she thought she wanted to do marketing or PR and this major was the closest thing to that. She chose Spanish because she always had a curiosity to travel so much so that she did an exchange program in Costa Rica in high school and studied abroad in Spain. She loved learning about the history and traditions of different cultures, particularly Hispanic cultures.
1: And then I saw that you joined a sorority. I delta, delta, delta. Can I help you, help you, help you? (laughs) (laughs) I wanted you to talk maybe a little reflection on your sorority experience. Were you like, I don't know, was it the best type (laughs) of environment for networking and the mantra that you've curated at Six Degrees Society in hindsight? I created the adult
0: sorority that you'd want to be in like I want I created something where I hated I liked being in a sorority and I'm so grateful for the experience I hated the rules of a sorority and that's why I've never been attracted to like a junior league or one of those organizations that finds you if you don't come or to x amount of meetings or if you don't raise x amount of money like I don't got time for that. (laughs) We don't all have time for that. So I liked the sorority for, you know, it was cool, the traditions and whatnot. I thought the politics of it were kind of BS. But I also think it puts so many barriers to other people because we still label the people by the association of the sorority or fraternity they were in and like put them in a box in a certain Mm -hmm. way. I didn't love that aspect of it.
1: Emily had a few internships throughout college as well. The summer of her sophomore year, she was a spot-buying analyst, and the summer of her junior year, she worked at IMG Fashion. She got those internships through Family Connections, which was also the reason why she wanted to get opportunities on her own post-graduation. Here's what she was doing at her spot-buying-slash-media-planning internship. They have a budget
0: every single year of let's say $1 million. And so our responsibility was to, to take that $1 million and to take the data of what we knew their customer was all about and figure out the best place to, to place ads.
2: And here's what she did at her IMG internship.
0: What my role was, was to compile lists of sponsors to reach out to to sponsor uh, New York Fashion Week. So I'd be like, hi, Frederick Fukai. like, I'm Emily, would you want to sponsor Fashion Week? Uh, like, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I don't think I closed any of those deals. I think I I was better at researching and compiling things. It's funny, like, I really don't remember the day-to-day of working at that internship at all. And But I do remember thinking, like, ooh, sponsorship, that's an interesting idea. You're not paying for the event, but you're getting someone to pay for it for you. And that's, I think, like, again, another sprinkle into the future of my life of understanding that there's something that's being offered and something that's being provided. And it's a deal that happens where neither party should walk away feeling screwed.
2: Emily did not have a job lined up after graduation. She decided to take time off as a reward for all of the hard work in surviving four long Ohio winters.
0: I honestly had no qualms with taking the summer off and I always tell people when they graduate don't feel guilty to take a summer off because you have your whole life to work your ass off and if that means taking a trip with friends I love traveling if you can sense this with me (laughs) um but yeah like don't always feel like if you can afford it or you can figure out how to do it like do it and take that opportunity to travel because there'll never be a good time for you to do it later on in life. I loved my time in Madrid and my Spanish major. And I had this huge fear of losing my Spanish. I was like, this would be so pathetic if I just graduate. And then like, I can barely communicate to anyone in Spanish. So I picked a country that I heard was a lot like Spain, very cosmopolitan, but at a price point of Mexico or a price (laughs) point of, of Latin America. And so I I had never been to Buenos Aires in Argentina before, but I just like set my mind on it that I'm going to move to Buenos Aires after I graduate college because I thought like you need to keep challenging. And if you're comfortable, then you're not working hard enough. You need to always feel uncomfortable. So I kept saying it and I told my mom like, I'm going to move down there for like three months and teach English and then I'll be back. And I just said it over and over and over. So I felt very confident senior year where I didn't feel like I didn't have a plan I I was moving to Argentina Mm, that was
1: your plan that was my
0: plan like I'm moving to Argentina do (laughs) I have to tell you what I'm doing there no I'm moving to Argentina isn't that enough yeah be happy for me I'm moving and that was actually a really cool experiment in life because I had no freaking idea what I was doing I thought I was going to teach English and so I found a plan I found a course where you could learn how to get certified in TOEFL, like teaching English as a foreign language, and um, signed up for that. And then decided to live with a family, or a crazy lady and her dog and cat, <laughs> and um, for five weeks. And that was like my start point. I have to give my parents credit. They're very, they are very supportive, but very hands off too. They're not micromanagey. Like, well, you have to do this, and you have to do this, and you have to do this. She. My mom in particular kind of just like let me do what I needed to do. Where well, my stepdad on the other hand was really fearful of me going to Argentina. He told me that I would be behind schedule to my peers. He told me that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't succeed when I get back. Like he really was not supportive of me leaving and I had to, you know, push through that like that criticism and that um, that feedback and be like, well, Screw you. Bye. (laughs) I'm going to do it anyways. And, Back to the like networking, these two jobs that I've had, these two internships were essentially hand delivered to me. So I never really had to like figure out on my own what I wanted to do. So I wanted this room to wiggle and to try on different things for size. And so
1: Emily's in Argentina living it up and itching to learn when she met a woman named Maddie who started BA Cultural Concierge, which was trip planning for American and English speaking tourists coming to Argentina. And I loved
0: it. I loved what she was doing. So I just emailed her and said, I want to help you or I want to work for you, but I don't want to be paid. I just want to learn from you. So like, think of me as your right hand lady and how I can help and you can pay me in wine and like empanadas and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm cool. (laughs) She took a risk on me and she really gave me um, leeway to be creative and learn how to do everything. And then while I was there, again, I felt like I was a sponge in Argentina. I It's now six months that I'm there and I go to a wine tasting event and um, I was so blown away by the presentation. I asked the guy, I was like, I want to learn more about wine. Do you ever need help or support? And he's like, absolutely, actually. And so I started learning about wine and being able to speak to wine and do presentations for tourists coming to America. I wanted to learn and I'd ask. And I, I'm, one of my advice that I always like to give is like, there's no harm in asking. No one's a mind reader. And if you don't ask, then how would you even know if you could have done
1: it? Do you think that you would have gone out and sought this experience if you didn't have the mindset that you were moving to another country was the fact that it was a foreign area like helped push you have that fire in your belly to seek out that experience I think so I think for me New York was too I was too complacent
0: in New York like my network was too saturated I knew everyone I didn't know everyone but I knew a lot of people I could like Lean on family more, being from the New York area. So there was this like personal challenge to establish a network, and I actually said these words, which is so nerdy, but like I wanted to build a network from scratch. I didn't know anyone. I went down knowing no one. It's just so cool how if I hadn't had Argentina, I don't think I would be where I am now. So this is the coolest part. So I ended up staying nine months. Um, you know, I had an Argentine boyfriend. I traveled <laughs> around Argentina. Like. But I was working my ass off when I was in Argentina because I was trying to just learn everything while at the same time I felt this ticking time bomb inside of me where I was like, "Okay, at one point I need to go home and go back to the States and like start and launch and like launch my life because this was more kind of like the backstage warm up to my my life. And so. I met this there was one particular night where my roommate, my friend Caroline, didn't wanna go out with me and I was and I was always going to like expat parties. And I was like, come on, we have to go and she's like, I am so networked out, like you always have to network, 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 network. And I was like, you never know who you're going to meet. Yeah. And so I went and I like inserted myself into a group of strangers and introduced myself to this one woman who is just so fantastic. She had just moved there with her now husband, but it was her boyfriend back then. And I quit her job at Luna Bar. This is just like how ridiculous <gasps> oh. our life is. Um, you were just full of awesome connections. It's just like insane how this and I was like, what's Your Luna Your constellation Bar? map is what's, like, awesome. Yeah, what, how the hell does this all happen? And I was—I didn't know what Luna Bar was. And um, she worked in PR for Luna. And I was like, how cool would it be to be in PR? Like, I want to be in PR. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's do PR. And so I asked her if I could take, treat her to breakfast and have her take like a look at my resume and figure out how to make sense of what i've done in my experience to translate it back to america and then i said in exchange besides buying you a delicious breakfast i would love to help you get acclimated in argentina like i know everyone now and all the expat communities and if you want a job here i can help you find a job i can help you find a hobby like you pick my brain i pick your brain cool and so she was such a dear, and she sent out her my resume to, like, probably at least six of her closest friends, and I heard nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, thanks for the breakfast. I'm back in the States. I'm in, in the library in Connecticut, like, trying to find a job, you know, on Indeed.com and a friend of mine sends me a job posting on craigslist to be an assistant to a wine ambassador from latin america so i send him my resume and he calls me four minutes later and he's like holy shit you're exactly what i'm looking for i was able to take what i had learned in argentina about wine and then kind of like spread the gospel about it in these conferences and conventions and Fancy dinner parties, and he was adorable and funny, and I'm adorable and funny, you know. (laughs) You guys thought it was funny. That's good.
2: This job wasn't ideal financially, but she was networking like a fiend because of him. He met her friend group and vice versa. One Labor Day weekend, she was on the way to Nantucket with him when she got an unexpected phone call.
0: It was like 8 30 p.m. Friday going to uh, Nantucket from the south and one of my friends from img meredith is from the south so i picked it up and she goes amelie and i always say to meredith (laughs) meredith and i go meredith and she goes no this is layered and i was like lard and she's like layered i was like liar like i could not say layered for the life of me like my tongue just didn't know how to say it and i was like yeah uh, who is this? And she's like, I got your resume from my friend Keely in Argentina. Ah. And are you still looking for a job? I'm next to my boss. I'm like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. What's the job? What's going on? <laughs> you know? uh, and she's like, I work at Ralph Lauren. I just, you know, just started a role at Ralph Lauren and we're looking for an assistant on the retail marketing team. Long story long, I ended up going in and interviewing and F- somehow convincing them that my experience in, you know, fine luxury wine, Argentine things and trip planning and itinerary planning, all of those were very comparable to event planning for an in-store event. Retail marketing after Googling, I found out it's like when you plan an in-store, you know, how you market your retail stores. So for us, that was focused on events within the store.
2: So can you go into a little bit more? more about what your responsibilities were as the <laughs> assistant and what you were oh doing? God,
0: what was, did you ever see the movie The Devil Wears Prada?
2: Absolutely. <laughs> That's all her.
0: Okay, so I, had, <laughs> I have like a visceral response when I watch that movie now.
1: Oh gosh, <laughs> it was very similar. It was
0: very similar and it was very... And again, hindsight is twenty twenty. Like I feel like now I'd be like, why didn't I handle it like this, or why didn't I do this? Okay, so I came from Argentina, where I came from the mindset like, why do people even pay money for brands? Like, why do we need materialistic things? Like I had lived in a country where, if you were anything shiny, it probably got ripped off of you in some way. So I became pretty you know salt of the earth type individual and then here we are at one of the most like exclusive premier brands and um so it was interesting to learn how to adjust to that kind of lifestyle but then also it was oh god yeah the worst the worst part we would I was the one managing all of the RSVPs. So as RSVPs came in, people would call this my line, leave a voicemail, or they would leave, they would RSVP to the inbox. And then I would add it to the RSVP list. And then my boss would print it out and then look at it that night and then come back. And she would come back and she'd be like, are you dumb? Like, why do you have Mr. and Mrs. Barry Dillard, but then you have Diane von Furstenberg? And I was like... I don't, I, what does that mean? Diane von Furstenberg's married to Barry Dillard. Why you idiot? Like, why (laughs) didn't you, why didn't you know that? So I would, I just remember this night going home and being like, I'm a failure. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know this world. I don't know these people. And I was, I was consolidating it incorrectly. And it was as if I would like botched a brain surgery but it was organizing a list like it's so dumb in hindsight so 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 dumb but what I really really loved about working there was this the tactical elements of planning an event like the run of show template that my direct boss Laird created was so beautiful I've like brought it across my entire you know career path and it was working with these vendors and, like, developing and nurturing these relationships with them. And then in addition to that, I was developing the relationships with the store teams. And then the store teams developed relationships with the their customers and came up with events and pitched us on events. And then we would move forward with it or we wouldn't or we would have an idea and, like, do a bigger event. And I loved the cross-functional aspect of, like, working with the PR team to – um to execute something so it's funny I was only there I was a temp and I was only there for four months so I got started getting panicky and thinking like I got to find a full-time job within this company before this happens and so I started peeking around at Club Monaco which happens to be owned by Ralph Lauren and I applied for a marketing position over there and I came in and the HR person loved me (laughs) that she ended up poaching me for her own team and she's like, "No, you're not going to be in marketing. You're going to be in HR." I was like, "Cool, that's awesome." You know, she gave me the offer. I felt like I didn't have a second to think about it. I couldn't, had didn't have a second to negotiate it. And um, it was essentially, I was an HR assistant slash receptionist. She she glamour. She made it really glamorous for me, like
1: a office coordinator. Office coordinator. <laughs> yes. Yes. Basically. She worked at Club Monaco for 9 months before she realized HR was not for her. She loved hearing people's stories and she said she was starting to get frustrated because she wasn't working to her potential. And I got a phone call from Laird, who hired me at Ralph Lauren, that she just got hired
0: at Tory Burch. So, uh, lesson, maintain those relationships people, no matter yeah. what, no matter what, maintain those relationships. And so then I went in and I interviewed and I interviewed with a woman named Jamie Picanix and I loved her and she loved me and she's still one of my favorite people in the whole world and then I interviewed with Laird's boss and then the CMO and I got hired as the marketing assistant and I started two weeks later. I started at, at Tori and it was amazing and Tory was the best experience of my life because when we started it was year seven of her brand so it was still a startup. Mm-hmm. It was still something where we were throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what could stick and <laughs> what was really cool working with Laird, We knew how to work really well with one another and we knew the systems that worked really well at Ralph Lauren. We were able to create the same guidelines and the same type of like elevation of a brand that at Tory. So we were able to create brand standards and guidelines and then we would plan the events for all of the stores. Like the stores didn't, weren't able to go rogue and just plan an event, which is, funny because now i work with Storage rogue all the time it's fantastic and um yeah so for me what was really beautiful about that experience was just being able to be creative and be able to have this responsibility um to be in part of tori's entourage to be able to travel with her uh one of like i think it was five months in no maybe it was the next year a year and five months in i gotta go to hawaii and plan an event for the opening of their store. It was so much fun, and the people I've met there are still my family. I've, it's, it's incredible. Like, we're, we're very connected.
2: She was promoted to marketing and special events associate after about two years as an assistant, but her responsibilities didn't really change much. After about two more years in the role, Emily started feeling antsy again.
0: But there's always hecticness and everything always feels like the end of the world in fashion. (laughs) Like, like it does. And for whatever reason, there's no like rational thought sometimes. And it's this fear of, I don't know, fear of dropping a ball or fear of like being too late. I I don't know. Missing out on a FOMO. And um, yeah, we were, truth be told, at the end, I felt like everything was so routine and that we had done such a great job creating processes and like kind of simplifying every event and templatizing things that I just was bored out of my mind.
1: Mm, and right. that's when kind of six degree society was just starting to come that's about. That's when it was right? bubbling inside of me. Yes. Tell
2: us about where the seed was planted.
1: The seed
0: was planted. It was this frustration where I think it was February and it was freezing in New York and I'm sitting at my desk and it's like, Is this the end all be all? Do I have to be at a desk for the rest of my life? Do I have to be scared to go to the bathroom or like sneak out for lunch and always tell someone where I am? And I don't know. I had this like itchy feeling in my belly where I just wasn't sure this was it. I looked at the CMO and she was awesome and had a great life, but I didn't want to be her and I didn't want to be my boss and I didn't want to be like I couldn't even imagine my growth within the fashion industry. It just wasn't. Like I couldn't fast forward five years and see myself there. And I thought, what a shame. Like all my friends, what we do is we come home and we bitch about our jobs. We bitch about how, you know, unhappy we are or how itchy we are or how unsatisfied we are. Yet we're not taking action together to make a change. Nor are we sitting down and saying, hey, let me show you how to make a podcast. Or like, let me show you how to make a, a website. Or we're not learning from one another. We're just kind of complaining collectively and i thought that was a bummer because we all know so many people and we could probably be stronger if we came together and so that's why i was like let me create this like experience for people where people can come and i can learn what you do and you can learn which you guys beat me to it this is awesome um get a day in the life of the person. Actually, this is exactly what I was doing. I wanted to get a day in the life. What's it like to be a coder? What's it like to be a CNN assistant? What's it like? What's it like? And we had over 45 people sign up. I was like, "Shit, they won't fit in my apartment. Like this isn't going to work. <laughs> this is this is this is getting out of out of hand." So I told, casually mentioned it to one of the people I um, met through my life and networking um, that I wanted to do this and she worked at the, the Chester and she's like you know what let's do $25 two drinks and appetizers for everyone and I was like oh my god I feel so bad pay- having people pay this is horrible I'm this is supposed to be free but okay okay let's do this so my mom is literally collecting cash uh, you know at the beginning and but it was so cool Because the night before, I realized I don't want to hear 45 people's stories. I don't want to go around being like, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? I thought, what if I tailored it for each person where they could hear four people's stories so they could meet four people that made sense to them or that need that they needed, that itch they wanted scratched. So I curated the matches the night before, the big bottle of wine till two in the morning and It was so cool. It was so freaking cool just seeing, like, the energy and the excitement and just, like, the connections being built. And after the event ended, someone like not someone several people came up to me and they're like when's your next event i have some girlfriends i want to bring uh, and i was like mm, oh no 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 this, this is, is an experiment <laughs> this is yeah. a human experiment and this is my like, one and done thing i just wanted to help us all because i'm feeling this way i assume other people are and so i started doing once a month like a different theme or adding the panel elements and playing with the different times of the matches does it 20 minutes is it 10 minutes is it 15 what's the perfect amount of time to connect with someone where you could networking foreplay like decide what if you want to go further with them or not and then um yeah fast forward i a girl yeah long and long a girl asked if i wanted to take the name of her facebook group which was called city society and we kind of joined forces but i was essentially running running forward she she was had other priorities in her life and um yeah, I fell in love with my business.
2: So, why is it called 6 degree society? That's the big question.
0: <laughs> well, so there's a few 6 degrees references. There's 6 degrees of separation, the theory that we're all connected by 6 degrees of people, which is true. If you look on Facebook, you usually are like a third connection to someone. I think it's I should have called it second degree society <laughs> or third degree society, but didn't have that that ring to it. And for me, I was at a friend's house and she was a. She's actually a great person to know. She her name's Jamie Mechanics and created the preppery and she helps people with interviews and transitioning careers. And I had referred her to someone and she was on a phone call with her in the other room and she was like, oh, the seven degrees of Emily Merrill." I was like, "I think it's six degrees of Kevin Bacon, actually." But <laughs> let me let me let me play with this because I was looking to changed the name. It had been called City Society before, but really wanted, once I started this as a real business, wanted a real name. And I was like, Six Degrees Collective, Six Degrees Group, Six Degrees Society, Six Degrees Society. And I bought the domain. I checked the Instagram handle. I checked the hashtags and did it all within 25 minutes.
1: So all of this was happening while she was still working full time at Tory Birch, But she was working so hard and her time was pretty divided. She started to feel like she was resenting both. It was at her high school reunion that she decided that Monday she was going to quit her full time job and pursue Six Degree Society full time. But while she was doing that, she took a job at Intermix in events to supplement some income.
0: I loved the version of who I was when I was creating these events. I loved me. I loved the way I felt. I felt high of life, like full of nourishment by by the outside forces. And in fashion, I felt depleted. I felt like I was making rich people buy expensive stuff. And it didn't bring me it didn't bring me joy the way that I I wanted to feel every day. I wanted to light up like a Christmas tree and I wasn't doing that. And so I I went to my 10-year high school reunion and I practiced saying both out loud to people and I realized, like, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to quit on Monday. And it was, guys, don't do it. It's stupid the way I did it. (laughs) But I'm so grateful that I did because it put so much fire in my belly to make this work. If I had just quit and then this had floundered and sunk, I would have been devastated. So I really, really wanted to prove not only to outside forces but also to myself that this is like a viable product and a viable company
2: that wraps up part two in the nurture your network series huge thanks to emily merrill for sharing her wisdom throughout this experience a day in the life series if you haven't already be sure to listen to part one in this series to experience a day in the life of a networking organization founder and events entrepreneur
1: so they say you can't get a job without experience, but need experience to get the job. But luckily, we have quite the experience. You can join our team and experience a day in the life of the jobs you want by applying to be a student editor. Regardless of your major or amount of experience, this is the perfect stepping stone into any internship or career. Find more info and sign up at xadiddle.com students. That's xadiddle.com slash students. Thanks for listening. Head over to xadiddle.com. That's xaditl.com. There you can find the show notes for this series and more A Day in the Life articles. And you can get to know us and our guests more by joining our communities on social media. Follow at xadiddle on Instagram and on LinkedIn by searching for Krista Bo and Matt with one T Poe.
2: If you learned something in this episode, please take some time to help our mission by leaving a positive rating and review of the show. Each week, we bring you a new interview series with guests from different jobs and different industries. In each series, we'll live a specific day in the life, hour by hour, and experience their career journey. So don't forget to subscribe.